Thanks so much, Susan. Wonderful. Okay, well, today we're uh, continuing on a, our Advent series, which we started last week, Songs of Christmas. So the various songs, there's four songs that um, people sang um, throughout uh, the Christmas narrative. And so today we're looking at the second of those, which we're going to look at as part of Advent. Um, so we are well and truly into December now, if you hadn't noticed. Uh, it is the Christmas season. It is upon us. Um, and I'm wondering how your Christmas season has kicked off. I'm hoping um, that you are finding that it is a, a, a slow and easy winding up of the year, <laughs> um, that you're finding yourself winding down, that you're feeling joyful and enjoying the season as it kind of unfolds around us. Um, perhaps, though, you're finding that it's, it's kind of quite the opposite. Um, maybe it feels like a sprint to the finish, um, to kind of the end of the year and to holidays, if you've got holidays coming up. Uh, and, and perhaps you're finding that um, it's a little hard to actually take in all of the joy and all of the Christmas season while there's so much still going on. To be honest, uh, for me this week, it's felt a little more like the latter of those options. Um, it's just been one of those weeks. You know, you just have one of those weeks and you feel like you're just kind of rushing around from thing to thing and nothing's quite going sort of how you thought it would. And I felt like I was just forgetting things. I felt like I was just overwhelmed. I was feeling kind of frazzled. Uh, I felt like I was just kind of dropping these balls and trying to juggle these different things and I'm dropping some of them. And, and that's kind of what my week felt like this week. Um, as, I, as I was preparing uh, for this. I actually love Christmas. I love the Christmas season. It's amazing. I'm, I'm, uh, yep, it's awesome. Um, but I'm finding myself um, wanting to enjoy all this Christmas around me, and, um, but actually feeling a little stressed and a little frazzled. Um, so perhaps you can relate to that as well. Um, perhaps uh, even this year has felt like a difficult year in some respects and um, really you're very much looking forward to coming to the end and maybe feeling some of that peace that we're supposed to feel at Christmas, this season of peace. Um, but why is it that so often, or sometimes at least, we can feel maybe more stressed than at peace at Christmas? Well, today's message, um, today's song that we're looking at is a song of peace. Um, this is a moment today that we're looking at that Susan read out just before um, that is all about God's peace meeting with and wrapping around humanity in the moment that Jesus was born. So I want this message and today to be an invitation um, of peace to us this morning. Um, an invitation into God's peace, no matter what week we might have had or the day that we, um, or the week that we're having coming up, that we would just take this moment as an invitation to peace for us. So why don't we pray uh, quickly? Father God, we just thank you uh, for this moment now to, to pause in our week and be here at church, to worship, Lord, um, and to hear from your word. And God, we just want to uh, accept your invitation this morning um, to step into your peace. God, would you just come and minister to us um, through this passage and through these words, I pray, um, and just bring a sense of peace to our souls and to our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. Well, today's passage and the song that we're looking at um, is this encounter that we're all very familiar with, this encounter between these shepherds in the field and the heavenly host of angels who appear to them in the night. 
Um, and the message that they bring and the song that they sing uh, in this moment is a song of peace. They sing glory, glory to God in the highest heaven uh, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So I thought as we sort of dive in and have a look at this passage, it might be helpful to remind ourselves about um, this concept of peace, biblical peace, um, which is actually not, um, it's actually richer than, than the way that we often think about peace. Peace in the Bible, it doesn't just refer to the absence of war or strife or conflict. So as we would use it, you know, a time of peace, obviously it can mean that. But often in the Bible, it's talking about a lot more than that too. So rather than just the absence of strife or war, it's also talking about the presence of uh, wholeness, the presence of wholeness, of restoration and of reconciliation. You'll be familiar with the word shalom, which is the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace, that rich uh, wholeness that God brings of peace. Uh, in, the, in the Greek, in the New Testament, the word is uh, arene as well, which means the same thing. So this is the peace that we are talking about today, wholeness, restoration, reconciliation. So we see in the Old Testament um, there's this, the prophet Isaiah he, Isaiah, he prophesies that a Messiah is going to come to save his people. And he refers to him as a prince of peace. He says, for us, for to us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will be called a prince of wholeness of reconciliation, of restoration. He is who has been prophesied to come. This Messiah will be the bringer and the bearer of peace and restoration for God's people. So this is the Old Testament prophecy about this Messiah who's going to come. And so now fast forward to this moment that we, we read before. Uh, this moment on this night in this field with these shepherds. And an angel appears declaring this moment, the bringer of peace, the bearer of wholeness and restoration has arrived. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And then a whole heavenly host, a choir appear and they praise God for this moment. We just sang about it before in Excelsis Deo. Um, this moment, the Prince of Peace, the Messiah, he has finally arrived. Now, I realize that we are so familiar with this moment, aren't we? We, so, we just sang about it just before. We sing about it every year. We read the story. We hear the story every year. We've seen um, pictures painted and drawn. We've seen them, on, like they're on Christmas cards. They're everywhere around us. These images of the shepherds and the, and the angels. And uh, maybe we've even seen people try to make videos, you know, attempting to depict this glorious moment. Um, because it is a truly spectacular moment. Actually, probably one that we can't even comprehend, can we? Um, and this moment is enshrined in our history as it should be. And we remember this moment with glory and with wonder. But I think it might also be helpful to at least try um, as much as we can to look at this story with fresh eyes this morning. To take an even deeper look beyond the familiarity <laughs> of this story um, and see uh, what might be there as well for us today. So as we know... 
Um, this is the announcement of the birth of the king who was prophesied about, as we talked about, and he has finally come. And this heavenly host of angels, they sing, uh, they sing praises to God because the Messiah is here, this glorious moment. And where do they make this glorious announcement? Where does this incredible moment take place? In a field to some shepherds in the middle of the night. A glorious heavenly choir appear to announce the coming of the Prince of Peace and they come in the night to a paddock full of unwashed nobodies. I know it's so familiar to us, this story. It's enshrined in our history, but I think when we reflect on that, it's actually, well, I think it's kind of strange, really. It's kind of a strange thing to happen. Think about it in today's terms. Think about, you know, how important announcements are, are, are made today. Every day, we get these announcements, you know, from our, from our premier or, or from somebody, and they're addressing the public about, you know, there's a COVID outbreak or there's not a COVID outbreak or whatever else there might be. Um, and it's streamed live on the internet. This, this announcement takes place. It's broadcast on the TV, and she's often surrounded by other important people around her, chief health officer or other politicians or the chief policeman or whoever else is there on that day. And it's all very important, isn't it, these announcements? Celebrity births. We were very human people, very human. Um, they are announced on the internet. Royal births um, are announced in front of a palace and it's front page news and etc., etc., etc. We hear about it in an instant. Um, today, something can happen on the other side of the world and we'll know about it in the land down under, you know, within a matter of minutes, within a matter of seconds, important news spreads, especially big and important events and announcements. But here, this prophesied Messiah, the Savior, this Prince of Peace, the coming King, this event on which all of history, like, literally hinges, and it is announced to a field of lowly shepherds. And what's more is the angels tell the shepherds that they'll find this baby Messiah, this prince, and he will be wrapped in cloths and he will be lying, of all places, in a manger, in, a, in an animal feeding trough. Again, you know, this story is so familiar to us, we know this, but I, I find it so helpful to reflect on this, to ask why, you know, why has God chosen to arrive in this way? But why no grand announcements to rooms full of, you know, important people? Why didn't the angels appear to these large crowds of influential people who could spread the news? You know, I think that's what people were expecting when they were expecting their Messiah to come. But that's not at all what happened. Why a manger? Why a field in the middle of the night with unwashed shepherds? And why does Luke tell us these stories in this way? Why? When humanity is in need of a saviour, of a messiah, of a prince of peace to rescue them, human wisdom, my wisdom, would suggest that perhaps a great warrior is needed, a warrior king um, who can come and overthrow the government and save God's people with sheer brute force and, and might. Or perhaps we need a great politician you know, somebody just really smart and who can speak really well and who can rub shoulders and influence all the right people and all the right powerful people. Maybe that's who we would need. That would be my wisdom. 
let's remember that God's wisdom far exceeds our human wisdom. And in fact, God's kingdom, the way God's kingdom functions is not at all like human kingdoms. We see this again and again and again through the Gospels, don't we? Um, That God's kingdom is completely upside down, completely reversed, other way around from the way of human wisdom and the way of human kingdoms. So here, the Messiah, who has been prophesied about for generations, he's finally born, this great restorer, this great reconciler, this prince of peace, and here we find him in these very lowly surrounds. We find him among these very simple people. And we find these angels, this this heavenly host, appear to a field of shepherds. But maybe that's the key. Maybe that's the whole point. That here we have this heavenly, this glorious, holy moment meeting these very human, very ordinary surrounds. And maybe that's the point. That in this moment, heaven literally meets earth. Jesus is here the Messiah is here to reconcile humanity for himself and in the, to himself. And in the very moment that he is born, heaven and earth meet. Both in a manger, but also in a field as these angels appear and sing this heavenly song to these very worldly men. Heaven has reached out to earth. God's kingdom is here. The Prince of Peace, the great restorer has come. And he is not just here for the wealthy, for the powerful, for the educated, for the influential. No, this is the savior for all people. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you and he is the Messiah, the Lord. Not only has Jesus come with a message of peace and reconciliation, but the way that he came is in itself a message of peace and reconciliation. Peace in its full biblical meaning, peace as in restoration and wholeness and reconciliation. When, he- when Jesus was born, heaven meets earth and God, wrapped, uh, and God is wrapped in, and placed in a manger and a heavenly host of angels meet some shepherds in a field, declaring the good news of God's peace for all people. I think it's, um, it's really helpful, it's so good, at least I find it, to, to refresh ourselves um, on these meanings, on these kind of deeper things that are happening in Scripture and these, these stories, these songs that we sing at Christmas. Because we do, we become so familiar with these stories. They surround us every year, every Christmas. Um, but when you take a, a look deep, a little deeper, I think you see just how radical this, this, this encounter actually was just how radical these stories actually are. Jesus was certainly not the saviour that anybody was expecting. He came in this lowly, this human way to show that he is here for everyone. Not one person need miss out on his grace. His love and his peace and his restoration extend beyond the beautiful and powerful people to the broken, to the lowly, to the downcast. 
This is a theme that we see running all through Scripture, all through the Gospels. This is how Jesus uh, interacts with people always. In fact, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Not just the beautiful and educated and influential. Nobody talked like this before Jesus. This was deeply radical. No one talked like this. God's heart is with the downcast, with the broken, with the marginalized. This is a strong biblical theme. And this is not how people thought or behaved at the time. But as we know, Jesus' kingdom does not function like human kingdoms, and his wisdom is not our wisdom. His message is one of radical grace, peace, and inclusion. This is a savior who brings restoration for all. So I think this is such an important, such a good reminder um, as we reflect on this, as we reflect on that first Christmas, that our God and our message that we carry as well is a message of care and inclusion and peace and equality for all people, not just the wealthy, not just the powerful, but for everybody. Do you know, I think sometimes... uh, we, we can tend to forget that. Sometimes we can tend to forget that. Perhaps the Christmas story has become so familiar to us that its radical and surprising nature uh, can, can lose its punch a little bit. I want to give just one example um, of this. And um, we're all probably very familiar with the Christmas carol. It's a, it's a beautiful carol. We've talked about it a lot. Um, last week, Sam mentioned it, and, and uh, it came up in the podcast again this week, but the carol, O Holy Night. Um, and it, it is written, actually, about this moment, this very moment that we're talking about today, these shepherds in the field, um, and the birth of Jesus. And uh, the words, just they capture it so beautifully. Let's look at a couple of verses. Um, they say, long, uh, long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Now this is a song I'm sure we're all very familiar with. Um, and perhaps so familiar, in fact, that even, even this um, has, you know, we even have maybe forget how radical this song actually was um, when it originated. This song actually has this message, this Christmas message of peace and inclusion and equality for all. This is the third verse. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. This song is so familiar to us um, that perhaps it has some of that radically inclusive language that it uses maybe gets lost in our modern context, in our modern day. But did you know that this song actually became um, an anthem for the abolitionists in Civil War America when they were fighting over slavery? Because it speaks of the inclusive nature of the gospel. It speaks, um, it, it speaks of God's love and peace for all people as, as captured in the Christmas story. But for others, for other people at this time, this song was far too radical. It was far too inclusive. In fact, it was frowned upon. It was banned in some churches. 
because, because, uh, because it was considered too radical, it was considered too inclusive uh, for people who had grown accustomed to slavery and who didn't want to lose that way of life and who were fighting to keep it. So it was banned. And yet there were many others who saw the way of Jesus um, in the Christmas story and in the Christmas message. It's actually a message of peace, of restoration, and of inclusion for all. And so it became an anthem and a favorite song for those fighting for the rights of all people because they believe that the gospel teaches that all people are equal under God. So there you go this radical nature of the Christmas message, radical nature of God's peace and grace and inclusion. Well, it's great to remember today that this Christmas message is one of peace and inclusion for all people, and radically so. We see this so fully in the way that heaven meets um, earth, the way that heaven meets earth, and these very worldly people, and in these very earthly circumstances in which Um, the Messiah is born. The Prince of Peace has come for all people. He has come to restore wholeness to all people and to the world. So this Christmas, I wonder what it might look like for us to make peace our priority. As followers of the Prince of Peace, as followers of Jesus, what does it look like to make peace our priority this Christmas? And I'm talking about biblical peace, wholeness and restoration and reconciliation. Perhaps it first looks like rediscovering that peace and that wholeness in our own hearts and for ourselves. We talked at the start about just the, the, the craziness of the season, and it can often lead to a, actually a severe lack <laughs> of peace within ourselves, sometimes replaced by feeling overwhelmed or feeling frazzled. Perhaps that actually just sums up your 2021 as a whole. So what does it look like for you, for the Prince of Peace and Wholeness, this prince who, who came for the very average Joes, like you and me, what does it look like for you to pursue and know his peace this Christmas in the midst of whatever circumstances? Perhaps to find a moment of stillness or some moments of stillness amongst the craziness, which is such a discipline at this point of year to stop and be still. But maybe that's it, to stop to reflect on Jesus, on this restoration and wholeness that he gives. We're going to pray in a moment um, that we would know God's peace, God's wholeness, even in the midst of the busyness this season. How can we make peace our priority this Christmas? How can we be people of peace for those around us, for our families, for our, in our workplaces, in our communities, we know that God's heart is for the unnoticed, for the struggling, and for the downcast in our world. So how can we be bearers of peace for those people in our lives this Christmas? Christmas is all about the coming of the Prince of Peace. And even in the way that he came, we find restoration and reconciliation is God's heart for us. 
So let's pray that we would know that peace and that restoration ourselves this Christmas and that we would be bearers of peace and restoration for others this Christmas as well. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that you came. Thank you that you came, Lord. The Prince of Peace came to bring restoration and wholeness once again to humanity. But God, we want to thank you as well for the way that you came, for the message that exists in the way that you came, in these stories that we're so familiar with, that even in that we see your heart for restoration and peace for all people, no matter who we are, no matter our backgrounds, no matter what we've done, no matter if we're influential or we're just completely not, you came for every single one of us. And we thank you, God. Father God, I wanna pray um, just for your peace over us in this Christmas season. Whether we've had awesome years or it's been a tough year, whether this is a really joy-filled season or kind of a tough season. Lord, I just pray for your peace for each of us. I pray that each person uh, here would know your wholeness in their heart. That peace that only you bring, that peace that transcends understanding, that transcends our human circumstances. I just pray for that peace for each one of us today and for this Christmas season. And Father God too, would you help us be bearers of peace this Christmas season as well. Give us eyes to see the people around us, Lord. The people in our families, um, in our community, in our broader community, um, Lord, in our workplaces, wherever, that maybe are struggling, that maybe are, are feeling downcast, that are feeling lonely. God, give us eyes to see. And may we be bringers of peace. May we be bringers of hope and restoration for these people. We follow you, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. So make us a people of peace for those around us as well. Thank you, God, for your grace towards us. Thank you for Christmas. And thank you for your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.